the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I got a special program today. I'm going to give you an update, what you need to know, but then I got to run because I'm actually in Washington, D.C., and all the stuff that's going on around here today has been extraordinary. So I want to tell you about that. Then we'll play a couple of segments that uh, are what we call evergreen segments, segments that um, uh, you can uh, just listen to some of the great interviews we've had recently. Uh, But first, let me tell you exactly what went on today. Extraordinary day. First of all, I started out to crack a dawn today, came into Washington, D.C. to get ready for today, uh, the, the uh, great um, January 6th constitutionally legally required day uh, that we go ahead and uh, have the Electoral College votes presented uh, to the Congress. And uh, before early in the day, I actually did a bunch of radio programming, all different kinds of things. And then I headed over to the White House, to the Ellipse. And I was very blessed and privileged. I was in the second row uh, in front of the president as he spoke for about an hour and 15 minutes. And he spoke about how uh, corrupt the process of the election was. And he went into specifics. He went into specifics on the challenges in each of the states, what he saw, what they were pushing. And um, it was very compelling. Now, I will tell you um, what you need to know is nobody's heard it. And more and more, the talking point you hear is that, oh, but everybody had a chance. They went to court 60 times and they nothing has been presented. And my answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know why the legal cases didn't get more, more traction. I don't know. But when you hear the evidence, you say, huh, there's something major. And today... Five different states had a majority of their legislatures send letters to Mitch McConnell saying, hey, wait a second, what happened here? And we'll get to it in a minute, what happened uh, in Georgia in the election uh, on Tuesday. But, but so that's the context. And so here we are, massive crowd, massive crowd, 250,000 people, something like that, gathered in front of the White House. His president speaks for an hour and a half. He says, we're going to march down to the Capitol, get down to the Capitol, and a huge crowd around both sides of the Capitol. Now, the media started reporting that the Capitol was rushed. The Capitol was rushed as if people rushed in. I, I didn't see that. I was around the Capitol. It looked like... Again, it's looked a lot more like Mardi Gras than it looked like a riot to me, but I've never been in a riot. Anyway, so there we are, and we go through this, and then I guess on one side of the Capitol, some people pushed their way into the building, and they got onto the floor of the House and even into Nancy Pelosi's office. And here's the thing. I'm not a fan of any violence, right? I mean, we all said we've been doing all these peaceful protests. Uh, I know people are frustrated, but pushing indoors, breaking windows, scaring people, not good, right? So most of us, including the president, said, hey, 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 everybody stay peaceful. You can be rowdy and loud, but you can't be violent and, uh, and pass a certain point. And that's what we uh, expected uh, and uh, disappointed to hear uh, that it went past that, you know. So um, the um, the reality 
is that um, very unfortunate. I do think that the the um, feelings and the worries of a lot of Americans are expressed by the massive crowd, by the concern. It certainly isn't expressed by people being violent in any way. Now, I have heard, I haven't really gotten it confirmed, that some of the folks that were inside the Capitol um, that were causing trouble were not sort of on our side. They were troublemakers. That's possible. That's possible. You do get troublemakers drawn to uh, to things like this, even get troublemakers who are for Trump that want to be a part of trouble. So I'm not discounting that. All I'm saying is that the concerns expressed are real. The worries are real. The feeling about the election is real and serious. Any of the violence is bad. Not good. Now. Let's talk about what happens in this country uh, when across Georgia uh, on Tuesday, the election, you saw lower turnout from a lot of the people who felt like they, they were watching something change the, in terms of the Republican Party. Um, massive turnout for the Democrats. It looks again like something funny, fishy business going on in, in uh, Georgia. But... The turnout was low in places for Republicans. And as I've said before, it's not I would never say don't vote. I tell everybody you have to vote, but you're not you're not in charge of every voter. And one of the problems of voters is that they're motivated by what they're motivated by. And people felt like their president was not getting the support of the Republican Party. I think that's how they felt. But no matter what. The question becomes, if it's going to be a life after Trump, a presidency after Trump, what's that going to look like in terms of motivating conservatives? What's it going to look like in terms of making sure that people get uh, the, the, the relation that they need, the way they relate to the party and to the movement in place? It's a big point. You know, I, I did an interview uh, two days ago and someone said to me, what happens if the election ends up with Donald Trump in a second term? Don't you think there'll be uh, millions and millions of people that will be think that the election was stolen? And I said, in any close election where there's allegations of fraud, you had for a decade people who thought that, for example, Al Gore won and George W. Bush didn't. In other words, we have a way to get on our uh, move on with that. And and to be clear, if it turns out that all the options are uh, are um, exhausted with uh, President Trump, there'll be a moment where that has to be what we have to do. I won't particularly think it's right in terms of how it happened. I won't particularly think it's fair. I don't think it was a free and fair election. But we have a process that binds us together that we have to get to. However. We're in the middle of that process. And what the president said today is Vice President Pence has the authority to say, hey, I can't accept these. They should go back to the states. He refused to do that, Vice President Pence. But also on the floor of the House and Senate now, there's been objections and they're working through that. And again, seems highly unlikely that it's going to be effective at changing the outcome. But that's the process. The process is part of the buy-in for people to feel good about what's going on in America. So that's what's going on. That's where we are. That's what's happening. And uh, and with regard to Georgia, let me just say this. I don't know if you recognize America. I don't know if you recognize America. If we have two years of Kamala Harris presiding in the Senate and if the Democrats decide to do the sort of worst to America that I think they can, truly worrying, truly concerning, uh, it will be um, something uh, for us to uh, I, I, us to really think about and how to fight back. I know I sat in the audience today with um, Ryan Gadurski, who's uh, you remember Ryan, who's been on the program, author, kind of an America first guy. He's not really a party guy. He doesn't really think the Republican Party always gets it right. He just thinks that the America first agenda is right. And therefore, the Republican Party is the better party. Um, and it was fascinating to talk to him 
about what he thought and what he thought was coming because he was he liked Trump, I think, but he wasn't invested in sort of Trump himself. He was invested more in the movement and what was happening in the in the uh, in the country and how it affected things. So he was pretty optimistic, actually. Now, I'm pessimistic because I think we could really lose some basics in two years of uh, Biden presidency with a Biden Senate, a Democrat Senate, Democrat House. But I think we'll have to see. And more importantly than anything shown from tonight, uh, as I'm watching the uh, the details come out about the Capitol uh, issue is it doesn't work to be lawless. It doesn't work to be violent. Um, 99.99% of the people who were involved in everything, stop the steal and otherwise, were not, didn't, you know, were clearly steered way clear of that. And some people did some things that were dumb, made mistakes. And again, I hope and pray, especially for law enforcement, that they be uh, safe and that everything be turned out fine. Uh, but let me just tell you, I heard from a lot of people They're so frustrated with the direction of the country. They're so frustrated with the lack of leadership uh, in the House and Senate, the U.S. House and Senate, that their frustration is real. It shouldn't be ever be uh, portrayed or ever ever be um, acted out with any kind of violence or, or whatever. But it's real. And uh, we need to be aware of that and the uh, impact of that as uh, we go forward. So that's my update from uh, Washington, D.C. We're going to play some evergreen um, segments for the rest of the show. Sorry about that, but I'm on the move today and I've got to check in on them. And uh, again, why don't you, if you go to my Twitter feed, at, excuse me, at Eagle Ed Martin or visit... Um, edmartinlive.com. You can track down more of these things and you'll find out more of those details of what's happening. Uh, let me let me tell you one more quick story. <clears throat> I was walking down Pennsylvania Avenue and I was saying to a friend of mine, and this is a description, this kind of dovetails with our conversation a few days ago. If you looked at that crowd, two and a half, uh, 250,000 people estimated somewhere around there, and you said to yourself, who are these people? What do they represent? In this crowd... There were people of all sizes and shapes, all colors, all backgrounds, and it didn't feel at all um, like the old Republican Party. It felt there was more working class folks. There was more minorities. There were some people that looked like they had more wealth. There was some people that looked like they had more, um, you know, kind of were more of traditional Republicans. But it was a really cool cross section of America. And I think that's the future of that movement. Uh, and I just wanted to share that with you because I was telling you about that a few days ago. All right, I'm going to be back on Periscope uh, later tonight, probably, uh, and certainly all day on Wednesday, covering a lot of the ground of what we saw, what we heard, and what is happening. So I will uh, update you on that. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for the Daily Wink and stay looped in. And thank you uh, for listening. Again, we'll play a couple of evergreen segments because I'm over here in the Capitol and uh, they're putting a curfew on and there's a lot of things. So I'm uh, recording this segment ahead of time to get you an update uh, live from the Capitol. So um, we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. Every morning you get it to five o'clock Pacific time, eight o'clock Eastern time in the morning. Update uh, an email with all the right things you need to learn about, understand, and all that jazz. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We, we're going to have our old friend Kathy Barnett on the show. I don't know if she's yet on the bus, but I know she's getting on a bus with others to come down to Washington, D.C. She ran a phenomenal race for Congress. In fact, if they counted all the legal votes in Pennsylvania in her race, I think she wins, but we'll, we'll ask her about that. But uh, but Kathy, first tell me who's coming down. You're on a couple, a bus or two buses or what? Well, tell me who's making this yeah. uh, trip down to Washington, D.C. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, Ed, thank you so much for having me on. And yes, we are going down on Wednesday. I'm taking about three buses with me. I could take more, but I'm capping at three. Um, so you're going to see a bunch of pissed off patriots that are like, we're not having this anymore. You're going to have to hear our voices. And so I'm so very grateful that Americans are not rolling over. Democrats are used to, you know, being loud, whining, calling us names, and then our side of the aisle simply roll over and play dead. I am so proud that there are an innumerable number of Americans who are just like, no, we are not rolling over. We're not going back to sleep. You're going to have to hear us. That's right. Well, and Kathy Barnett, we're talking to, and if you go to, she's on Twitter at Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y for the number four truth at Kathy for truth. Um, Kathy, you said something there, pissed off patriots. Um, You know, you, 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 as someone, you were a new candidate, meaning someone who hadn't run before, but you've been around a lot of people, you know, you served in the military and all, you know, people, um, what, give me a description of how people are feeling after this election. I mean, you're in Pennsylvania, you ran in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of people that think Pennsylvania was really something very irregular, if not fraudulent, but tell me about how the, how the grassroots is reacting to this, this moment, this period. You know, and my entire campaign was grassroots. If you look up grassroots, you would see my picture with my campaign. This is an authentically grassroots campaign. And so I, I am I am talking to people. I know exactly what they feel. We are weary because I believe that's part of the strategy of the left is just to wear us down. But we're also pissed off. And so there is no way people are going to sleep. We know that something horribly went wrong this past year election. And in a democracy, you don't have the luxury. The elite left does not have the luxury to turn and tell 75 to 80 million Americans, shut up and go back to sleep. You don't have that luxury. And that's exactly what they're doing. And that's only stoking the flame within all of us that something went wrong and we cannot lay down. I believe most people realize that this is our 1776 moment. And I'm so grateful to God that back then we we had a number of people who were not wimps, weenies, and punks, and they stood up against some insurmountable odds. And right now, I think a lot of people are looking back to that and recognizing that we are not wimps, weenies, or punks. We're going to stand up to some what seems like insurmountable odds, and they're going to have to listen to our voices. Uh, we're talking with Kathy Barnett, and Kathy Barnett is on Twitter at Kathy K A T H Y for Truth. Kathy for Truth. Um, Kathy, one of the things I was gonna was wondering about is candidates who run for office and don't win and, and have such a success as you did. I've seen it a million times. You had such a grassroots effort, all these people, all this excitement, and you th- and I th- I think we I thought you'd win. I think probably did win. But a lot of times people come through really disheartened because they watch they put their own heart and soul into it, but they watch others do it you know you sound you sound so energized and so uh well you sound pissed off too like you described but you sound energized (laughs) and i i i I guess how do you encourage people not to drop out and and forget trying 
you know, I remember why I got in. I was not groomed for this. Um, I am a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm in southern Alabama. I grew up below the bottom rung of the economic ladder, and I clawed my way from up under a rock to carve out a life for myself. And so this was not on my bucket list of things to do. No one came looking for me. I just showed up and said, yeah, I'm doing this. And, um, and so right now I'm remembering why I got into this. And that is because I love my country and I want to see everyone do well. The only reason why I was able to claw my way from underneath a rock back off that pig farm is because of this country and because of these principles and values that are being trampled on right now because the left want what they want by any means necessary and they don't care what they have to rip up and destroy to get it. And I'm fearful that that for the next little boy or girl who find themselves underneath a rock, that this country, these principles will not be around for them. And I think we can take a glimpse at what the Democrats have in store for us just by looking at uh, where their emphasis is when you're looking at the stimulus bill right now or when you look at how they want to get rid of, you know, gender. Right, 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 right. Well, uh, we're talking in with Kathy Barnett. Uh, that's a great one, by the way, when they said, and you must have just almost laughed out loud when you watched the chaplain of the, of the House of Representatives ah. end by saying, amen, a woman. Of course, nobody who has any brains or history thinks that amen is derived from uh, the male, uh, a male pronoun. Amen, it's just right? insane. <laughs> exactly. <it's, laughs> uh, but, um, but Kathy, one more thing. You watch, you said 1776, you know it takes a lot to stand out there on the line like you did. People come at you, they, they, they say terrible things and all. And, and yet you served in the military. I don't think anybody says when you run towards the bullets in the military, it's not as dramatic as, as uh, being a uh, running for office. However, moments come where you expect something special. Tell me what your thoughts are on Senator Pat Toomey, the Pennsylvania senator who, even Senator Casey, the Democrat, hasn't said as much as Pat Toomey. It must be frustrating for you to watch that. I mean, it's disheartening, not just with Toomey, but with a number of these uh, uh, people who are showing their colors. But you know what? I earnestly believe, right? Now, when I got in this, I thought there was going to be a different outcome on November 3rd. And we're still fighting because we've just uncovered a tremendous amount of fraud right here in Montgomery County. We have over 120,000 of these unidentified voters who are on our roll and who and 90,000 of them participated in this 2020 election and we're asking the question who are these people and how in the world did they get on my voter roll uh we we assembled about a hundred people uh with um with private investigators we spent four days going door to door of a little over 1500 people and found out that a third of them are fake people so we're we're not, we're not done with this election at all but i i say all of this to let people know we are not tinfoil hat conspiracy theories sitting in our basement just cooking up um, fallacies. Something strange really did occur in this election. And we and no matter what the Toomeys of the world or, or the Mitch McConnells of the world tell us, we need to hold fast to the fact that this is our country. Uh, in a democracy, you simply cannot tell people to shut up and go back to sleep and that we will be heard. Do not grow weary. 
stand and fight because if we don't do it now, we cannot allow ourselves to be manipulated into thinking that we can get it right for the next election. We got to get it right in this election right now. Well, Kathy Barnett, thank you for coming on at Kathy for Truth, Kathy with a K, and she'll be down in Washington, D.C. Watch it. If you're not coming, watch it on TV. I look forward to seeing you, Kathy. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Ed. All right. God bless you. God bless you. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I've been looking forward to this one because I'll tell you what happens, and my listeners know this, sir, that I love reading and I love books and people, I get them to send me books and then when I like them, I say, I'll talk to that author. So this next author is Joseph F. Johnston Jr. And he has the distinction of having practiced law and uh, been a a professor even at UVA and other places. He's written a couple of books, one for Regnery called The Limits of Government. But this book that's out is called The Decline of Nations, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World. It's out on Republic uh, Books, Republic Book Publishers. We've had a few of those authors on. So welcome, uh, sir. Mr. Johnston, how are you today, sir? Well, I'm fine, Ed. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Well, thank you. Now, so let me first ask you the broad question. I got this book. It's a great title, by the way. Phyllis Schlafly, my old boss, used to say half a book is its title because people got to want to read it. And so it's a great title, great cover. Um, what, what, where are we, America, the American nation, in terms of the decline? You know, we see all the hyperventilating about how, oh, there's, you know, Joe Biden says there's been un- unexpected or unprecedented assaults on democracy. And President Trump says it's the worst uh, fraud ever. But a lot of that's uh, a lot of that's what politicians do and they've done it in every uh, period of time what's the fundamentals of the nation well uh, there are a number of things ed uh one of the things that happens when a nation begins to decline is that the government grows much larger at the expense of the taxpayers and and the and the individual's public liberty and so forth and you see a great example of that just the other day we passed this congress has passed this enormous Nine hundred billion dollar funding bill supposedly for coronavirus, but it's just loaded with pork. And the Congress continues to spend a lot of money, which is not accounted for properly. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the government has grown too big, and too expensive, and too hard to control. The welfare state, the administrative state, the so-called deep state, has grown enormously at the expense of the taxpayers and the public. That's so is example. the, you know, yeah, no, that's exactly. So I have this, I have this uh, phrase that Eric Hoffer, the sort of um, uh, longshoreman philosopher popularized that uh, every great cause begins as a movement, uh, becomes a business and degenerates into a racket. And when you, when I was reading this book and I was the decline of nations and you were talking about the, uh, the America mostly was what I was thinking, not the rest of the world. And I was thinking, what's the, what's the, the connective tissue, right? Not everybody at the founding or even the first 150 years were Jews or Christians, but the Judeo-Christian ethic, you know, kind of permeated the deal. If you, the, the, the rule of law was sort of predicated on this, this notion that people generally wanted to be honorable in the, in, in transactions and otherwise. So 
without being too dramatic, in the last 50 years, have we just seen, a, you know, the, 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 the culture change where the, the, the system that holds us together? And you talk about some of the things like uh, uh, political correctness, morality, religion. The, the, it's no longer common to us? Well, that's right, Ed. And, and you mentioned religion, and that's one of the things. One of the things that makes a nation strong is strong institutions, strong families, and strong religious institutions, strong churches, and so forth. And our founding fathers were very much aware of that. And in the 20th century, there has been a decline of religion and morality. And I think uh, church going is is weaker, and the moral fiber of the country is weakened. The families are not as strong. There's more divorce. Uh, there are more single-parent families. Family breakdown has led to violence in, in many cases. And so that the fabric of the country, including its religious fabric, has weakened, and that's a serious matter. Is the uh, so and, and this is important. And again, we're talking. I want to make sure uh, the, the book is called The Decline of Nations. Uh, Mr. Joseph F. Johnston, Jr., who's the author and uh, is available everywhere books are sold and uh, published uh, by Republic uh, Book Publishers. So what's you know, in there you do talk about some of the things that bring us uh, bring us back. But part, part of it is some of the things that can bring us back. Maybe they feel like they're gone, like the family. You know, there's no there's no doubt that the best unit of the family is a mother and a father and kids. Right. And and gainfully employed and 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 some some role in the family for one of the parents to be focused on the kids in a more dramatic way. Right. But that's not the genie genies out of the bottle. So on that one, I mean, I can imagine a revival of of faith every time I talk politics, uh, sir, in the evenings. Now I go on Facebook live and I pray at the end. I get more reaction to the prayer than everything else I say. So I can I can see a revival of faith. I don't know how, as a matter of society, we go back to what is a better way of the family. I mean, how, you can't do it with the law, right? I, there's no moving the no-fault divorce law to to something harder, which is one of the big changes. So what what gets us back towards that family? I think what gets us back is, is a cultural counter-revolution. There have been in this country... Uh, as you know, it's, if you studied history, a couple of religious uh, awakenings. The, great, the first great awakening mm-hmm, yes. was in the 18th century. The second great awakening was in the 19th century. And there can be a third great awakening, I hope. And that is something that will have to happen over time when people come to realize uh, that man cannot live by mammon alone. And just because mm-hmm. we're we're rich and comfortable and prosperous, does not mean that we're going to be a thriving and successful society. We need to rebuild mm-hmm. those institutions, like the families, the churches, the strong communities, uh, of course, a strong military, and strong middle class values such as hard work, thrift, patriotism, free markets, sound money. <clears throat> Fiscal responsibility and the rule of law, those type of things, that takes a cultural counter-revolution. It's going to take a long time, uh, but we have to start somewhere. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to switch a little bit to this question because I, but I know, I know, I know from having read your own history, uh, you, you yourself practice law and, uh, and uh, maybe say it um, uh, politely, you've been around the block a time or two. And so you have some perspective on, on lots. And here's my, here's the question. We watched and recognized what the Soviet communist threat was in America. And I wasn't alive. I was, uh, you know, but I, I, when I look at the history, we identified pretty quickly after the 1950s or so what Soviet communism as a threat could be to our way of life. And when I look at the, so, the, the Chinese communist regime and I see the impact they've had on America, and then I watch some of the left that is echoing, you know, the, 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 the sort of party line, if not the actual capital P party line of the communists, you know, the secularism and all the kinds of things, the, the 1619 project. I mean, is it are we missing the enemy uh, within uh, and, and, and does that have to be a part of it? I mean, sometimes it's easier to have an enemy. You can say, aha, you see, it's communism. What they're trying to do to us is destroy us. Let's fight that. You win, we lose, Ronald Reagan said. And is that is that possible that that's a way to frame this? Because it feels like we're trying to grab a, an armful of jello otherwise. Well, that's a good point, Ed. Very well stated. And, and it does, it happens. There are external enemies like the Soviet Union was, and we recognize that. Actually, I'm old enough to even remember the beginnings of it. After World War II, uh, we founded NATO. We supported a strong Europe in order to prevent a Soviet takeover of all of Europe. They took over part of it, but not the whole thing. And mm-hmm. But there is also internal problems and weaknesses and you do you had a uh, basically a, a, a an internal dissension from the left in in the cold war days and now we're moving as you say into another cold war with china and there are very few people i'm afraid in this country who have adequately recognized that danger and recognize that we have to face it we have to we have to be strong militarily we have to reinvigorate our military and take into account that the Chinese are developing fantastic new weapons in space and uh, missile technology that we have to counter. We have to, to have deterrence. We have to be strong and not weak. And we have to be strong internally, too. And we have to recognize mm-hmm. the dangers that we face both externally and internally. It uh, it's very interesting time. I think your book is well timed. It's called "The Decline of Nations: uh, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World." Uh, just out a few weeks ago on hardback. Again, it's Joseph F. Johnston Jr. and uh, available everywhere you get books. But it's published by Republic Book Publishers. Thank you, sir, for your time. We'll have you back on again. I think this is a very good. It's a very timely uh, topic, and and I think we a lot of what you say in the book and on this interview, we've got to see revival and changes. And one thing I like best is we can't figure it. Out. We're not going to fix it all at once you just got to start you know you got to start moving so thank you for the time sir appreciate it very much well thank you Ed. i enjoyed it very much enjoyed the conversation okay thank you sir merry christmas and happy new year we'll have you on again we merry will uh, you. we'll take okay. a Bye-bye. thank you we'll take a quick break everybody we'll be right back that is joseph johnston the book is the decline of nations again available wherever books are available and but also it's republic publishers that new publisher i like so much what they're up to we'll take a break be right back ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment 
This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. One of the longtime goals of the feminist movement has been to eliminate all single-sex schools and make all schooling from kindergarten through college co-ed. The feminists claim, without any proof, that single-sex classes discriminate against girls. The feminists have succeeded in making most colleges co-ed. However, the No Child Left Behind Act allows public schools to have voluntary single-gender classes under certain conditions, and hundreds of public schools have introduced this option because it seems to stimulate improvement on national tests. You've heard that the feminists believe in choice? Don't believe it. When it comes to single-sex classes, they do not want to allow any choice whatsoever. The feminists, with their good friends, the ACLU, have filed suit in a number of cases to get the schools to cancel the single-sex classes. Now, nobody requires kids to be in single-sex classrooms. They're just offered as an option. But the feminists and the ACLU want to eliminate the choice. It's important to point out that it's not merely separating boys and girls into separate rooms that is helpful. Different curricula and teaching methods should be adopted to reflect the different interests and needs of boys and girls. I discovered this difference with my own grandchildren. All the children in my family are taught to read at home at age five using my first reader. My daughter taught her twin daughters easily at age five, but their brother, two years younger, resisted the teaching. He saw absolutely no utility in learning how to read. It wasn't on his agenda for fun things to do. We finally realized that the girls were reading fairy tales and stories about princesses and pretty clothes, and that had no interest for the boy. It was only after the boy discovered he could read about exciting adventures and battles that he became willing to be taught how to read. Surprise, surprise, boys and girls are different. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. You've seen the desperation of women's marches, the disgrace of Planned Parenthood, the rise of savvy young conservative women. Radical feminism is heading down a dead-end road. Voice your opinion on what's really important to women at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, thank you for all you do. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very appreciative. We have had a great 2020. I think it's a great 2020. Ups and downs, all kinds of uh, problems. Don't get me wrong. There's a million things happening, always happening, wondering, questioning, and you have to worry and fight. But here's what you know in America. The people in this country have come together to form a nation, and the nation is formed under the banner of the Judeo-Christian tradition. And from the beginning, that tradition knitted us together and still does. It does. Antifa can't pull it apart. You know, Black Lives Matter, racism, all these people that are nasty and mean to people. They don't pull us apart. Fake news doesn't pull us apart. It's tough. Communist China doesn't pull us apart. It's tough. 
But we have been bound together in communities, families, communities, and our nation. It's extraordinary. So I want you to celebrate that in 2020. Lots of things to worry about. Don't get me wrong. Tons of things to worry about. You know, we have to worry about our health. We have to worry about how, how, how seemingly inconsistent our scientists have been, how they make us, you know, kind of crazy with they say this and that and the other thing. We have to worry about all that stuff. We have to worry about our politicians, both parties that don't do good. We have lots of things to worry about. The big thing we have to worry about is communist China, which I think is really, you know, at war with us. We should pay more attention to that. But the fundamentals are, are wonderful. And what I want to challenge you to think about now is the pieces that we can do. We can't, you know, the old uh, story, you can't, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know, you can't, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. You know, you can't do, you can't change back some of the things that were disappointed in one moment, one, you know, uh, you know kind of rally. You got to do it over time. And, you know, I once had, I'll tell you this quick story, I once had a wonderful man speak to my wife and I. We were at um, the, uh, in, in Kansas City, 18th and Vine, there's a jazz museum. And then down the block is the Negro Leagues Baseball Hall of Fame. And we went there. It's extraordinary. It's great, great place and great museum. Really well done in such history. And we met a, a man named Mudcat Grant, who was a Hall of Fame pitcher Pitched in the major leagues too, the the the, the um, uh, major leagues after integration. But he spent much of his career in the uh, in the Negro leagues, and he gave a speech in front of us. And he said he talked to kids all the time, and he would say to the kids, "Hey, kids, you know, every class you have, the last ten minutes of the class, you start to be tired, and you think about going out to play, and you're going to do something else." He said that ten minutes, if you take ten minutes every t- every class and add them together, he said it turns into hours and hours and hours. And he said, "I'm just going to tell you, take the ten, take the ten minutes." And use it for something in your life. Take the 10 minutes. And the point was not that you could solve everything, but you got to take a little, you got to make steps. You got to take steps. And what we learned in the last two months is that we can build a movement that's not beholden to any political class, any political party, but just a we the people. So the challenge to you is, hey, move, take the pieces you can. Don't try to do more than you can. Get what you can do. Make phone calls, emails, contacts. Pray about it. But we can do it together. We're going to do it in 2021. We need to do it more than ever. So thank you for all you do. And we're looking forward to a great uh, 2021. Thank you in a special way to Noah, our great technical director, for keeping us online. Steve and the team at the uh, Answer San Diego is uh, Randy, others, Andrea Kay, so supportive. Just a great team there. But Noah does a great job keeping us uh, keeping us shining for it. So we appreciate that. Thank you to Joanna on our team for helping book guests. But mostly thank you, for you to, thank you to you for listening. And I look forward to a great 2021. It's Ed Martin. Signing off one last time in 2020 on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you in the new year. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.